Did you know that Dr. McGee approved of rock and roll festivals? Well, that may come as a shock to many of you. I know it would be to me, but we'll hear more about it today on Through the Bible. I'm Steve Schwetz, inviting you aboard the Bible bus for our final study in Nehemiah. And as you turn to chapter 10, Greg and I have got an exciting update from North Africa. Yes, Steve, this week our world prayer team is traveling through North Africa, and we want to focus today on our Kabyle ministry, which is primarily received in Algeria and Morocco. And, you know, there, there's a lot of prayer needed uh, for these fellow passengers on the Bible bus. They're studying Dr. McGee's teaching in their mother tongue. Uh, both of these nations are Muslim-dominant, very few people reached with the gospel, and a very low tolerance for those who believe in Christ, uh, persecution is a big reality. So yeah. challenging, challenging place, but lots of exciting fruit. Yeah, let's start with a man in Algeria. Here's what he says. We wish you happiness and prosperity in the glorious work you do every day. The gospel of Jesus Christ blooms each day in the gardens of our hearts. That's a beautiful picture. That is. Of course, there are plenty of problems because the evil spirit of the world is extremely annoyed. Consequently, we sometimes face fierce battles, but we are encouraged, for it is the word of Jesus that is confirmed when he said we would have problems but should fear nothing. To Jesus be glory and victory through all ages. Amen. I leave you, my dear friends, in the peace of the Lord. And Steve, I think we're going to notice joy in in the midst of very difficult circumstances. And one of the most humbling things I've seen in, in working in ministry around the world is people who are suffering for their faith and yet have real joy. Uh, here's another one from Algeria. Thank you for your radio broadcasts. God the Father has blessed us with his true word of truth. In our village... The sun has risen. The empire of darkness has been destroyed. The enemy of our souls is agitated. He tries everything to trouble us, but he has lost all his power. Christ is king. Hallelujah. Thank you to all of you servants of Jesus. Boy, that sounds like a movie trailer for like an action-packed, I don't know what. Yeah. That man has a future if he ever wants to come to Hollywood and start start as a writer. That is a beautiful picture. And and I bet, even though I don't know this for a fact, Steve, I bet if, if we walked a week in that man's shoes, we'd say he has terrible problems he has suffering yeah. and and listen to the victory uh that that he has in his faith in christ incredible yeah the difficulty of living in algeria just i mo- i don't have a concept of it i've never no. been there but um and i i know that most of us don't but yet this man has the joy of jesus christ in his heart and just before you read this last letter we want to remind our listening family this is the privilege we get to bring the word of God, the light of Jesus Christ into these dark places. And you get to be praying for him by joining our world prayer team. Go into ttb.org forward slash pray. You'll be glad you did. Next, we've got a husband and wife with two children. Here's what uh, this husband says. Since my youth, I was a good Muslim in my eyes. I say in my eyes, but in the eyes of God the Father, it turned out that I was lost and lived in absolute error. I had a tendency to look for soothing music on my radio. Here's the pivot point. One day, a number of years ago, by God's providence, I came across your radio program in my mother tongue. Then I heard a man who said, you who are tired and burdened, come to me. I will give you rest. Then he explained that it was a call of Jesus Christ in the Bible for all humanity. It touched me deeply and an indescribable peace settled throughout my whole being. 
I gave my heart to Jesus. Since that day, we've been listening every night, and we have given the frequency to our close relatives and neighbors. An imam of our former mosque converted to Christ, and he said, Radio, knock down the tables, as Jesus did at the Temple of Jerusalem when he chased the merchants. We praise God for these miracles. <laughs> Steve, even though I, I get the privilege of being in this work every day, a letter like that just almost knocks me off my feet. Yeah, for those of you who aren't familiar with what an imam is, it's basically a Muslim pastor or priest, the right, equivalent. Right. And that's the teacher in the mosque. And this guy converts to Christianity. And this is not an isolated uh, yeah. testimony. We heard one last week at a meeting of a, a, an imam in Africa who, who spent three years, he'd go to his study to open the Bible and the Quran and listen to the broadcast because it was the only safe place. For yeah, him. yeah, and so encouraging. Yeah, it's just, I, I hope we all are rejoicing right now in the power of God. Yeah, let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Algeria and all around the world in those especially difficult places. Be with them, Lord. Give them ears to hear your word. Pray that you would call many to yourself. Pray that you would bless the program as it goes out now. In Jesus' name, amen. Now here's Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, as we come today to this final study, we saw last time that they read in the Bible, read in the Old Testament, then they confessed their sin, and then they met in a great praise service to God. And I got so carried away with praising God because he's a creator, I forgot to just say that as you go on through this chapter, they thank God for the redemption that came to them when the Lord led their people out of Egypt. And those are the two things you and I ought to thank God for. He's the creator. This is his universe. And we ought to thank him that he saved us. By the way, have you thanked him today that he saved you? Have you told him that you love him? Don't wait till Sunday morning to go to church to sing the doxology right where you are right now. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Because he's the creator, he's given me everything that's material and physical. I thank him for it. He has saved me a sinner, and I thank him for it. How wonderful it is. Now, we saw that these people signed on the dotted line. They made a covenant with God. Have you ever made a covenant with him? Have you ever promised him anything? You ought to. And a great many people ought to do that. You have the list of them here. And believe me, the list is just written down here. You know, these people now are bringing to the Lord their first fruits. And you have here the offerings. They hadn't been bringing them. Now they're bringing them to the Lord. This new group of people are coming. When I hear today a church that's always complaining about not having enough money, and I hear any Christian organization, that'd be this broadcast. And for goodness sakes, let's don't blame people for non-support. Let's go fishing, as Simon Peter did, for the Lord Jesus to get the tax money. Let's go out and win some more folk to the Lord. Get more sheep. Then you can share them, by the way. And my point is, I don't think you ought to support anything. I don't care what it is. Unless it's a blessing to you. Unless it's opened up to you a great avenue of service. We ought to support the place and the thing that's giving us our blessing. Where do you get your blessing, friend? Wherever it is, that's what you ought to support, by the way. My, this is very practical. This is Nehemiah, you know, 
great layman that he was. Now we find here another great list in chapter 11. And they are listed here. The others made a covenant with God and kept it. Well, these are just willing people. (laughs) They're going to do what God wants them to do. Listen to just the first few verses. And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in other cities. They cast lots. One in ten would stay in Jerusalem. And the one who got the short straw, I guess, stayed in Jerusalem, or the long straw. And the others, other nine went out and dwelt in other cities. Well, I guess there could have been a lot of complaining. They'd say, oh, me, why did God let this happen to me, you know? But notice, and the people blessed all the men that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. Well, may I say to you, a lot of people wanted to move out to the suburban areas, as you can see even in that day. But those that were willing to dwell at Jerusalem, they just thank God for it. Just to be willing, friend. My, the Lord records a willing heart. Notice this. Now, these are the chief of the province that dwelt in Jerusalem. But in the cities of Judah dwelt everyone in his possession. Their cities to wit. And then here's the list given. Oh, God takes note of the willing hearts of people. Isn't that wonderful? Now, that brings us over to the 12th chapter. And what do you have in the 12th chapter? Another list, you say. Right, but who are these? Well, these are those that are just praising God. <laughs> just praising God. I used to go visit a lady that was going blind and in a wheelchair part of the time. Right here in Pasadena. She lived here in Pasadena I was pastor here years ago, and this dear lady, you say, needed to be comforted and helped. Well, to tell the truth, I don't think she did. But I did need help in those days. I was a young preacher, and I went by just to listen to her. You know why? My, how she could praise God. And here's a list of those praise God. I imagine she's in this list somewhere now. I don't have the latest God keeps that record, but I'm confident that he has those. Now we have the dedication of the walls of Jerusalem. They've now had all of this take place. We're told, verse 27, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgivings and with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. My, they had a great time there. And the sons of the singers gathered themselves together both out of the plain country round about Jerusalem from the village. So they brought together all the musicians. They had a great rock festival. Now, somebody's going to say, wait a minute, preacher, you ought to be careful saying that. No, I don't mind saying it, and I'll tell you why. I heard a man say the other day, because there were others criticizing the rock festival. Oh, he said, I believe as a Christian in a rock and roll festival. Everybody looked at him in amazement and said, what do you mean? Well, he says, I believe in the rock festival, rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. And I believe in the roll, too. When the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Now, that's the kind of rock and roll I'm talking about. That's what they had here, you see. These are the ones 
inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life, and they're now going to meet and dedicate the walls of Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah brought up from all over the land the people for this dedication, because Jerusalem was the city where the temple was. Verse 40, So stood the two companies of them that gave thanks in the house of God, and I and half of the rulers with me. Now he lists the priests. They were all there. Verse 43. Now will you listen to this? Also that day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The wives also and the children rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. Now, strangers passing through that land, visitors, tourists, they heard this great shout of praise and joy. And he said, what in the world's going on over there? And when you hear that sort of thing, you always want to go. I know I was up north in the Oakland area and went by that big stadium that is there, and they were playing some. I don't actually know who's playing there, but they were having a baseball game. And I want to tell you, one place there, somebody understood, hit a home run. And what a shout went up from that place. And I thought at the time, my, I'd like to be over there seeing that. That must be an exciting game. That's a natural reaction, you see. And I thought at the time, my, if where I'm preaching, if I could get that kind of a shout to go up so that the whole community would hear it, I have a notion a lot of people who come around want to know what's going on. You know, one of the reasons they pass us by today in the churches is because they think we're a dead lot and a boring lot. And the interesting thing is, nine times out of ten, they're right. Oh, there ought to be more joy of the Lord in our services today. That is the thing that's needed. Real joy. There's nothing that has a power, a joy. That actually... We said the other day, and we're going to see it when we get to Philippians, that the very source of power is joy. And that's what, you remember Nehemiah said? Joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you are a crybaby Christian, you're not going to have much of a testimony at all. Dear lady told me one time, he said, my husband is unsaved, and she says, not McGee, I just can't reach him. And she began to blubber right there. She said, I speak to him at breakfast of a morning, and I weep and tell him how much I love him and I want him saved. And then again at supper, she does the same thing. You know, I got thinking about that. Would you want to have breakfast and dinner with a weeping woman? I don't know about you. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd enjoy that. Wouldn't help your indigestion. And I have a notion that fellow was pretty sick of it. So I told her after that, I said, look, I have a suggestion. Why don't you just quit talking to him at breakfast and dinner? Oh, she said, you mean quit witnessing? I said, yes, quit witnessing like you're witnessing. And let's witness another way. Start praying for him and stop weeping before him. Because that, you know, the joy of the Lord is your strength. We need to keep that in mind also. Now we come to the 13th chapter, and again we see the demonstration that eternal vigilance is the price of freedom, and it's the price of Christian liberty, and it's the price of Christian freedom too, by the way. Now will you notice, 
Nehemiah, somewhere in this interval between here and chapter 13, went back to his job in the palace at Shushan. You see, he'd only asked for a leave of absence. Now, after he had been away, I don't know how long, maybe a year, maybe two years, he asked for another leave, and he came back to Jerusalem. Now, what did he find out? They weren't keeping that separation that they should have. On that day, they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. That's way back in the 25th of Deuteronomy. Now, they read that, and they decided that the thing to do was to obey the Word of God, because they met not the children of Israel with bread, with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them. Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. Now it came to pass, when they had heard the law, that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. Now they had in their crowd a whole lot of the Ammonites and Moabites, and they weren't obeying God in this. Now they put them out of the land. Now we read, verse 4, And before this, Elisha, the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. Oh, here was the high priest through a marriage of his son or daughter to the house of Tobiah. In other words, the high priest himself disobeyed God in this important matter. Now, what has happened? God had forbidden this that they were to intermarry with these. And he'd given them, I think, a very humorous illustration of it, a real cartoon, by the way. He said, you should never hitch together, plow together, an ox and an ass. You see, an ox is a clean beast, ass is an unclean beast, and you're not to yoke them together. And a believer and an unbeliever shouldn't be yoked together. I know a man in business today paying an awful price for a partnership that he made before he got his eyes open. May I say to you, it's true not only in that, but in marriage today. Now, will you notice what happened? Why, he had prepared for him a great chamber, where aforetime they laid the meat offerings, the frankincense, and the vessels. In other words, they had storage places in the temple, and they had a big room. Now, they no longer bring the offerings in there. They cleaned out that room, and they put on a nice shag rug and put in some lovely furniture and a king-size bed and invited old Tobiah in. And, in fact, they told him he could have it any time he wanted it. Now, what's this man Nehemiah going to do? He's returned now. Well, will you notice this? But in all this time was not I at Jerusalem. Nehemiah had been there. That wouldn't have happened. For in the two and thirtieth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king. I came to Jerusalem, and I understood of the evil that Elisha did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me so. Therefore I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. You know, I love this man, Nehemiah. Nehemiah says, we're going to get rid of Tobiah. He's not going to be in the house of God. And the Lord Jesus commanded the church in Ephesus because they always examined those who said they were apostles and were not, and they put them out. And so this man, Nehemiah, he went in, got his suitcase, pitched it out the window, said, you're not staying here anymore. You're not going to get free rent here. Then I commanded, and they cleansed the chambers. They fumigated the place, you see. 
And thither brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. And we put that room back for what it was originally intended in the service of God. Well, he didn't stop there. He says, and I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled everyone to his field. Every man had to get a job that was a Levite that served in the temple outside, working the field. And God's service was neglected. Now, I believe that today, many a minister's being asked to do too much. Many a man's having to neglect his study because the church wants him to be an administrator and be everything else. He needs somebody to take this other responsibility. And I love Nehemiah, and I think now you'll begin to discover why. You know why? Well, because he said the preacher ought to have a raise. I always like men like that, and I hope you don't mind that, because that's exactly what Nehemiah said. And he said, you're going to bring in the tithe that belongs here and see that these men are taken care of that are in the service of God. My, I love a man like that. And God approved it, by the way. Verse 14, remember me, O my God, concerning this and wipe not out my good deeds that I've done for the house of my God and for the offices there. He said, just record this. Oh, Lord, and God did. Here, here it is in the word of God. Now, he found out they were doing something else. They were breaking the Sabbath day. And what was happening was this. In those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath, bringing in sheaves, lading asses, as also wine, grapes, and figs, and all manner of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. There dwelt men of Tyre also, therein which brought fish and all manner of wine, and sold it on the Sabbath to the children of Judah. See, they came in from the seacoast. They brought fish. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah, said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do and profane the Sabbath day? Now, they're under law, you see, and they're to obey God in this matter. Did not your fathers thus, and did not our God bring all this evil upon us, upon the city, yet ye bring forth wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath? It came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gate should be shut. I charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants said I at the gates that there should no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now notice what happened. While well, these men said, you know, that fellow Nehemiah, he did it one or two times, but the gate will be open again. So the merchants and sellers of all kinds of ware lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them and said unto them, Why lodge ye about the wall? If ye do so again, I'll lay hands on you. From that time forth came they no more on the Sabbath. You see, Nehemiah closed the gate. And they came up there thinking it'd be open, and it wasn't. They just waited around. And Nehemiah crawled up on top to see if they were there. First Sabbath day, they were there. He came the second Sabbath day, climbed up and looked down, and there they were. So he said to them, Look here, you come here again. I'm going to come out after you. Well, they didn't come back anymore because they knew he meant business. Now he found out, in those days also saw I Jews that had married wives of Ashdod, of Ammon, and of Moab. Verse 23. Now what does he do? Well, he contended with them. He cursed them. And that doesn't mean he's swearing at them, but he pronounced a curse upon them and smote certain of them 
plucked off their hair and made them swear by God, saying, Ye shall not give your daughters or your son. Now, this man used extreme measures, but it needed that, my friend. And then I tell you, you see, revival will always lead to reformation. When you have a revival, it's going to clean up everything that needs cleaning up. The only way today that the problems that face our nation can be solved right now, and I say it rather categorically and dogmatically, is by a revival that'll come to the people of God. Nehemiah concludes by saying, verse 29, Remember them, O my God, because they've defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus cleansed I them from all strangers, and I appointed the wards of the priests and the Levites, everyone in his business, and for the wood offering at times appointed for the first roots. Listen to him, his final word. Remember me, O my God, for good. I'm sure God remembered him for good. And I remember him that way. I hope you do. I hope you love Nehemiah, great layman of God. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. What a terrific study in Nehemiah. we got a lot of ground to cover next time as the Bible bus heads to 2 Corinthians. Until then, you can reach us at 1-800-65-BIBLE or at ttb.org. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll save you a seat on the Bible bus as we continue to roll through God's Word together. grateful for our committed listening family who faithfully pray and invest in Through the Bible as we together take the whole word to the whole world.